Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And Frank, I enjoy podcasting with you so much. We haven't had, I don't think we've done an off day podcast for a while, but it's 2 2 in the NBA Finals. So I hit you up this morning and said, Frank, let's talk. You obliged. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that we could do this little extra podcast that feels like with me and you. But it's the finals. We can, we can fit this in. Yeah, it's a little bit lower stress than, uh, <laughs> you know, game night or, game, or you know, like the, the, the day before a game or something. So um, I, I don't know what, what it's been like for you. The, the wait time mm. in these, these games here where we've had the two days off between every game has just felt so long. Which, you know, like after a uh, after a win is kind of fun because you know you get to enjoy the like podcast, uh, all the podcasts uh, that that talk about the win, and you can kind of bask in the glory and kind of soak it up a little bit. But uh, I, I don't know, like th- this last one, I'll be honest, was uh, yeah, I I got very anxious like the the kind of day of yesterday, and um, man the the game did nothing to quell that anxiety so uh just a weird uh just just weird man i mean it's uncharted territory for all of us right uh as bucks fans here we we've been getting kind of these escalating uh importance games throughout the playoffs and you know i i don't know how many times we've used the phrase you know this is the biggest game of so and so's career right Giannis' career chris middleton Drew Holiday, pick your pick um everything's just been getting bigger and bigger and uh, you know, uh, game seven against the Nets seems just kind of cute now. Um, <laughs> not that we're in, you know, a best of three for, uh, for the NBA finals. So, uh, so yeah, it's just been, um, I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to enjoy it. You know, as I've been saying at the end of all these pods, telling people they have to enjoy it, enjoy the damn wins, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, I've been trying to enjoy it and, and soak it in and, you know, uh, there's always kind of the back of my mind, you know, well in a week or, or less, right season could be over in a way that maybe we don't, we don't like. So it's like, enjoy, enjoy these nice little moments and, and all that while we can, you just never know exactly what happens next. But um, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm kind of, I'm sort of allowing myself to dream the impossible dream a little bit, which is kind of scary. And I'm always worried about jinxing things. And I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm just, my, my emotions are just sort of all over the place these days, Kane. So I think for me, when you have the two days, you kind of hinted to it there. But I think when it's you're playing basically every other day, then after a win, you just enjoy the win. And then before you really think about anything else, then another game is upon you. So I think um, the point you made about game three to game four, because it was such a long break, then all of a sudden you probably reminded yourself that, okay, that was pretty fun to win game three. But if we lose game four, the series is probably over. So then, then you understand... 
the importance of the next game. But the Bucks fans are certainly enjoying it, Frank. Uh, our biggest podcast, I believe, ever. If I, I'd really have to go back um, for, for years of data here, but I believe the Game Seven win over Brooklyn is is the best we've ever done numbers wise. And this Game Four win, despite the fact it's only been up on the podcast feed for around eighteen hours, as we are. Uh, as we're recording this one here, is is well on its way to uh, to to eclipsing that. So, Bucks fans are certainly excited, and and all basketball fans, I think. I think one of the big things that I've enjoyed about listening to some of the reaction from this game is that you know even neutral fans and, and analysts, whoever it is, really looked at this game as as a really really entertaining, tense, anxiety driven NBA Finals game, which I think was probably the one thing that this series had missed. Perhaps Bucks fans don't need that the high level of anxiety, but when you win. It's always a relief, but we talk so much, Frank, before we get into the basketball stuff, we talk so much every day that sometimes, you know, I can be dreaming about podcasting locked on bucks. I can, I can wake up in the morning and I, and I think about the podcast. It's it, when you talk this much, it's hard to get out of your mind. And for some reason I woke up this morning and thought, why the hell haven't I asked Frank about whether he's going to make a trip to Milwaukee for the NBA finals? Because I know you've made trips to Milwaukee in the past for, for playoff games and for, for other games. And obviously, you know, I mean, it makes sense that you would want to go uh, back home there. But are you going to the NBA Finals? Because I, I thought about this this morning and I, I may actually already know the answer to this or at least have some insight. But are you going to be finding your way to the Deer District? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, last night... I- Actually, before the game, I was kind of hunting around on, you know, various sort of ticketing websites and just to get a sense of what the market was. And I mean, tickets are obviously insanely expensive and not only are they expensive, but I have lived just a very spoiled life as a fan because <laughs> as, as, I've, as I've mentioned, you know, my, my family had season tickets from 92 on and my dad actually gave up his season tickets, uh, not this season, but the, the season before last which probably, you know, wasn't, he didn't miss out, miss out on that much given that, you know, the year ended in a pandemic bubble and, and all that. Right. So uh, he hasn't really actually missed that many games, <laughs> that many games given everything that's happened since then. But, um, but yeah, he decided to give up his tickets. He had awesome seats by the end of it. I mean, they were like literally like, I don't know, six rows up, something like that center court. Um, I mean, you can occasionally I've, I've posted photographs um, on Twitter. Like I think, I don't know if it's still my pin tweet, but I have a, a picture of Giannis sitting at the scores table, which was taken from those seats. I mean, awesome seats, right? And you know, to a regular to a regular game, I think the face value of those tickets were at the end like two hundred fifty bucks or something like that. You know, like, I mean, they got they got expensive for just regular season games, and um, you know, but if anybody's been looking at playoff tickets, even the face value of these tickets now are insane, it's insanely high. And so uh, I was starting to look into it. Um, because I just kind of kept coming back to the idea of if the Bucks have a chance to win an NBA championship in my lifetime, it just feels crazy to not, you know, look into the possibility of, of going to see that, right. Or at least see, see part of the game. And I don't know, I kind of decided, you know what, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not going to bother trying to get to, uh, an early round game this year. I mean, as pe- people know, um, my wife was a Rockets fan, uh, and I have a, a three and a half year old. We live in Austin, Texas. It's not really a very convenient thing to do, just pop up for a game. But we ended up deciding we, we've planned this trip um, to see my family, uh, including my sister and niece who are in town as well. Um, 
in late July. So we were planning this trip in late July. And then, you know, this has been, this has been planned for like a couple months. And then, you know, I didn't really even think that much about when the like finals might be. Cause this was like, you know, first round we, we started planning this. And as we've been getting closer and closer, then it was like, Oh crap. When are the NBA finals? When will the NBA finals start? And originally, I think we've talked about this, you know, originally there was like this July 8th date. Um, and then it ended up being July 6th. And so long story short, um, due to certain obligations here in, uh, at home, um, I, I have, I campaigned for us to just drive up this weekend because that would be the easiest thing, right? If I just come to Wisconsin this weekend and I'm in town and, you know, uh, great. Uh, but due to reasons that I won't get into, that was deemed not, not feasible. So I then started thinking, okay, am I going to have to do, you know, the, the 36 hour smash and grab visit, uh, where I just fly down by myself and, and then literally fly back home and then drive (laughs) two days later, drive back with my family from Texas to Austin. So long story short, I looked, started looking at tickets, started looking around flights before the game four. And then as soon as game four ended, I thought, F it, man, I'm just going to buy tickets. And worst case scenario, if I, you know, don't end up going, I'll just resell the tickets. So I am now the owner of two insanely <laughs> expensive uh, seats in the end zone upper deck for game six of the NBA finals, uh, which is, I don't know, just kind of hilarious to just be even in the position that, you know, it's just so weird to think that, that that's a game that actually, and, I, I, and again, I hate to even mention the possibility, but in theory, uh, if the Bucks win this next game, that could be a potential be a title winning clinching uh, game. So, so yeah, I have at least a chance of doing that. Um, I have not negotiated the terms of what that trip might look like. Um, uh, I, I have to wait till my wife's in a good mood to uh, to broach that. So, um, do me a solid, everyone, and and don't you know reach out to her and uh, bugger about it. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I uh, we're gonna have to have that conversation here in the next day or so. Um, I don't have a, I don't have a, a, a plane flight book yet, but um, I think the face, I think the face, because I just ended up buying it. I looked on like SeatGeek and stuff like that. I just ended up buying it off the Ticketmaster site, which was cheaper actually. And I think the face value of my ticket was like $750 each, <laughs> which is just like nuts. Like that just literally just to get in the building is 750 bucks. I didn't really, I don't know. I never really like, I always thought that there would be some tickets that would <laughs> be like reasonably priced, but there are not. There are not reasonably ticket, reasonably priced tickets to Milwaukee Bucks games in the NBA Finals, uh, which, you know, I guess if you can get away with it, um, you know, Bucks are trying to rebound from a pandemic financially. So I guess it is what it is. But, uh, but yeah. So that's a very long answer to a simple question. Um, yes, um, I, I think if the Bucks win on Saturday, I will hell or high water figure out a way to get to that game. If they lose, I think there's a good chance I, um, I won't just because it, you know the Bucks couldn't be able to win a championship on uh, Tuesday and the Suns could win a championship. And it just feels like I, I just don't want to be in the building when the Suns, if the Suns were to win a championship. So that's my, my pessimist hat sort of coming on. But anyway, so I am a very interested, I'm, I'm an even more interested observer uh, in this next game than, than it might otherwise be because of that possibility. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I obviously hope that circumstances uh, force me to, uh, to buy a plane ticket and, fly up and try to make it happen. Mm, I love it. I was, I was very excited to hear about this. And 
I know we do have a bunch of new listeners that have jumped on uh, during this postseason run and certainly the NBA Finals run. So just so you guys are aware, anytime Frank says long story short, strap yourself in. Uh, it, it's not going to be a, a short story. But nonetheless, I do look forward to doing a podcast when Frank is out in the Deer District like Shaquille O'Neal was a couple of years ago uh, when the TNT crew will be starting Milwaukee Chance. He'll be, who knows what he'll be doing out there, but it's going to be uh, a lot of fun. And I, I guess the question would be, if it was a Game 7, you would have to get yourself to to Phoenix, I suppose. So uh, anyway. No, no. <laughs> Why did I? Why did I? I, I why did I, I not think you would put yourself in that position? Yeah, I. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm very aver. I mean, in many ways, that would be. Well, no, it, it would always be better to uh, to see your team win a championship at home. You know, to be with other fans. There would be something especially incredible though about going on the road and seeing mm-hmm. a game like that. Um, and I think I've mentioned my my buddies uh, CJ and Kyle who went to uh, Brooklyn for Game Seven, and uh, you know. I was texting with them that night. I mean, that's just incredible, right? I mean, what an experience to go to New York to see the Bucks take down Kevin Durant in a Game Seven of a you know uh, a playoff series. That that I will I will definitely be jealous of. And of course, hey, if the Bucks have to go on the road to Game Seven to win an NBA championship, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay not not seeing that in person. Uh, but overall, um, it, it would be just it would be just so special. Obviously, if you could somehow do it at home. Fulfilled the Bucks and Six prophecy, and uh, you know, I mean, we know, we know, no matter where where it would need, where no matter where it happens, if the Bucks win a championship, the Deer District and the city are going to be absolutely insane. Um, whether it's in our building or or in Phoenix, but uh, yeah, it would be pretty pretty damn cool to um, be able to see it in person in in Milwaukee, and um, yeah, that's I guess what we're all dreaming of right now. All right, Frank, let's talk about betonline.ag now. They've been fantastic sponsors of the podcast for a long time. And we know you can find all the odds, info, and sporting needs you have with the NBA Finals at betonline.ag. But you can also find MLB, uh, futures for NFL. We know the Packers season is not going to be too far away here. And then UFC and MMA action as well. So before the next pitch or shot or hit, whatever it is, Head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device, and you can check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Just head to the website, sign up today. You'll receive a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On there. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Today on Road to the Finals, our NBA Finals coverage is brought to you by Mikolov Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. I've got a really bad record of going to Bucks road playoff games. I'm actually currently 0-5 going to see the Bucks on the road in the postseason. The first two games against Boston back in 2018, and then I was there for game three, four, and six against Toronto in the conference finals a couple of years ago. So yeah, I'll probably stay, stay clear of that. Uh, but as far as this series goes, you mentioned it towards the back end of our podcast yesterday. You said we could probably talk for hours. There was a lot more to, that went into this game that we weren't able to discuss. Clearly, we spent a lot of time discussing Chris Milton and the Giannis block, which has been, again, one of the fun parts of listening to the analysis from this game, just people comparing that block and and where it ranks all time. And I, I think comfortably, everyone is saying, well, it's either that block or LeBron's. And of course... The story gets greater depending on what happens 
with this series moving forward. But was there anything in particular that whether you've watched the game again, uh, you've, you've thought about in, in the aftermath of this win that, that really stands out to you? I've got a bunch of numbers sitting in front of, me, in front of me here that we kind of discussed, but it's interesting to look at the series in totality rather than just this game. But what stands out for you? Well, what, let's go with your list because, I mean, I can just drone on forever. That's, that's my thing on this podcast. Why, why don't we start with, with something from your list and we go from there? So, okay. So I, I thought it was really interesting coming into this game. A lot of the conversation was, how are the Suns going to stop Giannis? And, and I think the, the one answer... That's the first thing, by the way, that's the first thing I was thinking of too. So yeah. our minds have melded. Go ahead. Well, I, I just think it's so fascinating because we, we really came down to the point where we said, okay... Well, the only way that they're going to be able to stop Giannis is by literally putting four bodies in the paint and trying to make other guys make shots. Now, the Bucks, while that would probably be a winning formula against this team for the most of the postseason, we've seen Chris Milton obviously get hot and then Pat Connaughton. But it does bring me back to the size factor in this series and with this Bucks team. And I know yesterday you referenced, I believe it was a 33% offensive rebounding percentage. Was Does that sound accurate for game four? Yeah, it was... 33% versus 14% was the number I had from my box score that I was looking at at the time. Yeah, so, so and, and it's interesting because that's obviously a, a big number. And when you looked at the stats and you saw, okay, well, the Bucks took so many more shots despite being super inefficient because their ability to, one, create turnovers and then, B, uh, create second-chance opportunities. But if you look at it over the course of the series, this is exactly what it's been. The Bucks' offensive rebounding percentage is over 30%. It's 30.7 for the entire series. And just for reference, over the course of the regular season for the Bucs, they were middle of the pack. It was around 26%. 13th, they ranked in the league for offensive rebounding percentage. So this has definitely been a focus of this team. It was a renewed focus of this team in the, in the regular season. They certainly openly admitted the fact that they looked at the offensive glass as a way that they can improve and a way that they can give themselves chances. But it's gone into overdrive in the postseason. There's no doubt about that. And then you look at the other stats that, that really matter. Uh, points off turnovers, 17 to 11 for the series. Second chance points, 16 to 8. Fast break points, 16 to 8. And then points in the paint, 50 to 38. So the size is really, really taking over this series, Frank. And, and I guess for me, I don't know whether Phoenix are going to have another night where Giannis only scores 26 points, 28 points. I'm not sure that that's going to happen because we've already discussed the fact that Giannis looked a little little weird, a little off in the first half. I don't think the Bucs necessarily did a great job of getting him the ball. I, I felt like I was watching this game and a lot of the times Giannis was throwing his hands in the air and getting frustrated and demanding the ball and he just wasn't getting it. So I, I guess it, it almost feels from a scoring perspective, from a dominance perspective, that in this game four, Giannis perhaps wasn't at his absolute best from a scoring perspective. Yeah, I mean, the interesting part was, I think if you look back at how he scored, um, you know, game two is really the only game where we've seen him showing something resembling kind of the full arsenal, I would say, Mm -hmm. right? Because he hit a number of jump shots, he had some hook shots, did a lot of that. I mean, in game three, he really didn't do that, despite us scoring, again, 40 plus points for the second straight game. It was very much a just Giannis, you know, like we were saying, kind of force of nature, just getting to the rim repeatedly, crashing the offensive glass, opportunistic, et cetera. And it's just sort of a testament to him that he can be such a dominant scorer, you know, literally without 
shooting the ball at all. Obviously, the free throws did go his way uh, in game three. So I'm, I'm kind of torn a little bit because I think it was interesting to see how the Suns uh, sent some really quick doubles at him at various points throughout yesterday's game. Um, it seemed like there was definitely a much more pronounced emphasis on swarming him when possible. I mean, there were a couple plays around the basket where there must have been three and possibly even four people, like literally right around, um, right around the rim when he got pinned under the under the basket. I know he got blocked at least once in a situation like that. So, I mean, you can say, well, you know, why, why did it take the Suns so long to do that? And it was interesting. I was I was reading some kind of back and forth between. Bucks fans and Suns fans and one of the Suns fans was basically saying like you know Monty that basically they were making the point like I don't really think the Bucks because everybody was like oh they just got a double and uh the Suns fan said but like that's really not Monty's MO like they haven't done that all year like they didn't double Jokic which you know a little different because Jokic is probably the best passing big man in the history of the sport right so it's kind of harder to double him perhaps um but it really hasn't been kind of their the way that they've played uh, all year. And so I did think it was interesting that they, they did indeed try to, to send that extra help at him, you know, really early at times. And, you know, it definitely was not a game where Giannis just, A, they didn't even really seem to give him a lot of touches just in those sort of left block face up post up type scenarios. I mean, it, I thought it was weird. The Bucks didn't look for that more. Um, especially given how much they were struggling shooting uh, early on. I mean, it felt like with him, you know, asking out of the game so soon and then they couldn't get him out of the game, but they didn't really pass him the ball because they knew he was trying to get out of the game. And then he was sitting on the bench or going in the tunnel or whatever the hell he was doing for however many minutes. I mean, basically like the, by, by the time that the Bucks had a chance to like try to get him the ball again, it was like the first quarter was basically over. It was really bizarre, you know? And I, I, for one, I, I really hope that we don't see this stuff now, like every game that Giannis has these weird need to go to the bench right away. And, you know, whether it's bathroom breaks, heart rate, whatever. Um, at this point, it's like, all right, can we just have you be on the court and playing basketball? <laughs> Cause um, you know, you, <laughs> I, 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 you're the best player in this series. Like we're going to need you on the floor here. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's crunch time. So um so it was just a strange start to the game for Giannis. Uh, and the interesting thing, though, was that even though he didn't get that stuff going, I mean, he still managed to just sort of manufacture points so many different ways. Like, there was just, you know, there were some, there were some random breakdowns where in the first half, like, you know, he got lost somehow in the middle of the paint. He got an open dunk that way. Um, you know, Drew Holiday found him again. On Drew was snaking along the baseline, and Giannis had a nice uh, V-cut down the middle of the lane. Um, you know, he, he kind of, again, just sort of managed to find ways to, to, to get himself into plays. And I mean, you look at the second half, right? I mean, in the fourth quarter, um, you know, think about some of the, some of his baskets there in the fourth quarter, the two that jump to mind are that like weird, like flat footed putback off the Drew Holiday non-call on Devin Booker. Right. I mean, it was weird. I don't think he even jumped when he put that one off the glass, a very strange play, uh, a very heads up play by him. And then, um, you know, one of the big plays that, that I think has been sort of overlooked in hindsight now, just cause it happened fairly early in the fourth quarter, um, that play where he just tipped the inbound for Aiton and he just went off and, you know, dunked it without having to dribble, literally covered what 70 feet or something like that. And by tipping it out in front of him and <laughs> gathering, you didn't even have to dribble once. 
to go in for a dunk. So, yeah, an interesting, uh, just an interesting game for Giannis. And I, I would push back a little bit. I, I mean, I could definitely see him having another game where he doesn't score a ton of points just because, I mean, if Phoenix is going to show him lots of bodies right away, um, you know, you can limit his shots. It's not like, you know, he's a perimeter player and he can just pull up for threes whenever he wants. Although sometimes he does that too. Uh, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if he was forced to, again, be more of a creator. And I think that's one of the big positives of that game was, you know, eight assists and he had one turnover again, right? Um, you know, the, just the efficiency in terms of decision-making, you know, even with the team shooting so horrifically, the fact that he still had eight assists really speaks volumes about, you know, how well he was setting up teammates and, and keeping, you know, the entire offense in some, some modest uh, type of flow. So, so I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm very interested to see kind of offensively how they involve him. I think obviously you, you hope they continue to use him as, uh, as a, as a role man, um, because if nothing else, he may not even touch the ball in those situations, but he sets good screens and, you know, uh, Chris Middleton is, uh, is obviously a guy that, that can get, get, you know, get going, uh, through those pick and roll plays. And, you know, if they, if they respect Chris too much, then Giannis has a chance to, to roll to the rim and, and hopefully get a dunk or two that way. So, um, so I don't know, I'm not really sure what to expect. I mean, I expect Giannis to be good, but I think again, he probably needs to be prepared to potentially have more of that playmaker's hat, uh, which is maybe a little bit of a throwback to the Heat series, right? Because the Heat also managed to show him extra bodies and at times turn him into a playmaker rather than just that kind of individual, you know, uh, scoring force that, that we saw early in the series. It's built by time, Frank. And I wonder if our listeners, how many of our listeners out there have been having their lucky built bars before games, perhaps home games, Bucks 9-1 and one at Fireserve Forum now, but built bar is a fantastic sponsor of our show. They have been, for as long as I've been uh, the host of this podcast here, it is the best tasting protein bar that's ever been made. There are so many delicious flavors that you can choose from, including German chocolate, strawberry, salted caramel, mint brownie, raspberry, coconut, just to name a few. But you can find out all those flavors at built.com. There's only 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories are ranging from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar and four to five grams of net carbs. So they're amazing flavors. They're all tasty, but they're also all healthy. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED for 15% off at built.com. I will say that playmaking Giannis is pretty damn fun to watch. I, I, I'm not sure whether it's the him being forced into a facilitator is what you would want to be seeing in game five of the NBA finals if you're a Bucks fan, but he, he comes up with some really nice passes. There was one, and just as I was watching the game back, where he actually found Pat Connaughton for that, that big three in, in the right corner late in the game. Bounce pass. Yeah, and he just, he, he didn't yeah. even, I kind of just didn't pick up on it at the moment, but it was, it was like a look away bounce pass. As soon as he got it, he just flinged it to Pat in the corner and Pat knocked it down. So he does come up with some fun passes. There's no doubt about that. You know, the interesting thing about Giannis going off the court in the first minutes, first of all, he, he wasn't taking a tinkle. I thought it was great social media content, but if he was taking a tinkle in his words, then he, it would be the fastest piss of all time because the camera saw him go up the tunnel 
And then he was right back up the tun- down the tunnel and on the bench. So I, I dispute Giannis's claim that he was taking a tinkle. I think maybe he just needed to catch his breath or who knows what's going on. But I agree. It's one thing to do that at home, but on the road, you don't want Giannis going off the court in the first two minutes. And the other interesting thing about it is he played 43 minutes in the game yesterday, despite the fact he had a little two-minute rest in the first couple of the game. So he basically didn't come off after that point, really, outside of a few little spurts there. We know Bud does try to get him 30 seconds to 40 seconds here or there before he knows um, he's about to call timeout. Just looking at the lineups, and of course, we always discuss this, Frank, looking at lineup data for such a small series is, is almost pointless. But again, it is fascinating just to look at the role of Brook Lopez in this series. Now, I saw a little bit of talk on, on Twitter yesterday that you know Brook can't play and the obvious answer is just to play Giannis at the five or have Bobby Portis out there, whatever. I mean, this has always been the narrative uh, around Brook, but the starters actually in this series... Again, it's only been 42 minutes, but they do have a defensive rating of 100. Um, you know, like I, I don't think you can sit there and say that Brook Lopez being on the floor has been disastrous for the Bucs. Clearly in game one, I don't think he was put in a position where he was necessarily going to exceed, succeed. And that's acknowledging the fact that Chris Paul and Devin Booker hit some tough shots in that game. And then yesterday was a little more fascinating because I think the... The struggle that the Bucks are having right now, or what they're trying to probably figure out is how to, how to maximize the Brook Lopez minutes because he only played 19 minutes in the game yesterday, but he scored 14 points in those minutes. And this brings me back to game one where his plus minus was also pretty ugly. So in game four yesterday, by the way, he was minus 13 in those 19 minutes. He was also around that in game one. It wasn't pretty, but he also scored 17 points in 21 minutes there in game one. So it's, it, it is interesting. First of all, the defense has been holding up with the starters with Brook Lopez over the course of the series. But secondary to that, he's been a real scoring option. And, and that in itself is handy for a team at times that has struggled to find scorers if Chris Milton's a little bit off outside of Giannis and then hoping Pat Connaughton can knock down some threes. He's been consistent for sure. But Brook Lopez has been, again, as we always say, right through the postseason, a pretty consistent scoring option. So I'm fascinated to see how this series swings in game five because Brook Lopez minutes have either been fine in, in terms of plus minus they've won those minutes or it's been pretty disastrous through four games. Well, and the important thing is that, that when it's not going your way is Bud realizing it soon enough. Yeah. And in 19 minutes I think, is, is key. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think the complaint we often had during the regular season was especially post Tucker trade. And granted there weren't actually that many games that, you know, were actually close where PJ was, you know, post-trade and actually healthy, right? Um, but I think that was the concern was just Bud still seemed slow to, to, to pull that lever and go, go to that small lineup. And it just seemed like he always wanted to, you know, make the Brook Lopez lineups work. And, um, you know, I think even, I think us, you know, I think we've always said, you know, we are, believers in Brook Lopez as a viable member of this front up front, you know, front court and starting five. Um, but at the same time, you know, yeah, there's going to be lineups situations where, you know, you want to lean heavily on your small ball uh, option. And, and I think, I think the, the, the part that um, I, I think I'm, I'm kind of two minds a little bit. And we talked about this the other day, right? I, I'm very hesitant to sit here and say that, you know, from game to game, like if something happens in one or two games that now that is just going to be true for the rest of the series. Yeah. And 
I think with Brooke, we've seen it in pretty much every series that, you know, he's quote unquote unplayable one night or, you know, just the, the defense slash offense, whatever, you know, the, 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 the finished product just isn't there um, to be effect, to be effective enough. And so, you know, they're just games where it looks like, Oh man, we, we can't play big or we can't play drop or whatever. And then there's, you know, the next night, half the time, like, you know, thinking of like games one, one and two against Atlanta, then the next night, Oh, all of a sudden, you know, they've, they've made some tweaks to, you know, usually it's Brooke playing a little higher up and, and then all of a sudden he, it, it's back and Brooke Lopez is, you know, critical to the Bucks' success. So I'm hesitant, even though we're four games into this series and, you know, we've seen a lot of basketball at this point between these two teams. I'm, I'm not ready to say that, you know, Brooke Lopez is, is only a 15 minute option or 20 minute option from here on out. Um, you know, as soon as you do that, um, you know, you, you close off the likelihood that, that something changes. And, you know, I think it, it also depends a little bit. I mean, you know, we, we alluded to it yesterday. Like, I, you know, I asked the question, like, is Chris Paul hurt? Um, I thought it was interesting, you know, on the, the Bill Simmons podcast, that was what they, they spent a lot of time. It was like the first thing they talked about was basically speculating that, that he's, he's hurt somehow, something's going on with him. Um, and I, I certainly understand the, that suspicion just based on kind of his, his loose dribble yesterday. And just, you know, obviously I, he wasn't shooting and creating the way you normally expect. Um, but, you know, we also have no evidence that anything like new happened. I mean, he was coming off two days rest and he looked great early in the series. Right. So um, I, I don't know, but, but, you know, if Chris Paul is more limited, that, that also should matter to uh, Brooke Lopez being more playable. Right. Because um, again, the pick and roll and, and, how the Bucks defend that. And, you know, that's obviously so tied to how well and how easily you can, you can play Brooke in the series. So, uh, so yeah, so I think uh, short story long, uh, as I always do. Um, I, I think there's absolutely still a potential role for, for Brooke Lopez in the series. And let's not forget, I mean, in games that have mattered, there's a certain seven foot Stanford guy who, tends to show up and make shots in those games. And, you know, we saw it in game seven of the net series. We saw it obviously in those uh, two closeout games uh, against the Hawks, particularly game five. Um, you know, when you, when you do actually need Brooke Lopez to make some shots, he oftentimes ends up making some shots and, you know, he tends to be uh, one of the Bucks more reliable guys. Again, I realize I say this after he goes over five and puts up that big negative margin uh, in game four, but, um, but yeah, I, I think, I think, uh, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't think the bucks need to be doing anything drastic and start the way you, you always start, see how it goes. And then it's up to bud to sort of read the flow of the game and, and make the right decisions as the game's gone on. And I think, again, he deserves credit because I think, you know, they've been pretty quick making adjustments, pretty quick making changes. They haven't stuck with anything I'd say too long. So, um, so hopefully again, that, that continues. All right, we're continuing to roll here, Frank. So how about we wrap it up there for now and then we're going to come back to this. This is going to be a two-part podcast. It wasn't necessarily the plan, Frank, but once we get rolling, we, we, we just keep going. And I've got plenty more I want to discuss with you. So we're going to drop both of these podcasts at the same time on your podcast feed. So after you listen to this one, you'll be able to go through. Before I do that, 
I'll mention the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford and Odyssey NBA experts Brian Scalabrini and former general manager Ryan McDonough. Our local NBA experts make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your home your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matters to you. So, as I said, uh, if you missed the post-game pod, go back and check that out. If you uh, are listening to this, then roll right through to part two. We've got plenty more to discuss with Bucks and Suns as we are on the road to game five. So, for Frank and myself, thanks for joining us here on this bonus pod. We'll catch you guys next time.